0: Let's do it. It's it's meow,
1: meow, meow, meow. got it yeah i literally just for the first time got that the last round
0: <laughs> welcome to the happy and holy podcast we are back with your hosts lenny and jamie
1: hello the apple of my eye oh my god And you, the one whom my
0: soul loves. (laughs) Welcome back for episode four. (laughs) We are here. We're excited. Uh, Thank you, everybody, who's been checking it out. We are on Apple Music, Spotify, definitely on YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. All the visuals are there. We're there. Um, Really been loving gathering this online community. We are also on Facebook. So look for us under Happy and Holy co happy and holy media co we have to start getting creative with the names so that people don't cop them so we got to go happy and holy happy and holy so all across the board you should find us um we are on apple music spotify google those are the big three right and then anywhere else where podcasts are listed we are there so thanks so much for hanging out with us I also want to remind everybody that you can find us on
1: happyandholy.com. Oh my gosh. We a lot our of time directing our website, website to the right location. So it'd be really nice if somebody visited it.
0: <laughs> we worked hard, so hard on getting that as a website. So happyandholy.com, you're going to love it. We love it. Mm-hmm. It's cool, it's aesthetic.
1: Yeah. And um, we're going to have some really great surprises on our website soon. So definitely um, keep an eye out for that.
0: Some little merch. merch. I am very excited for that and for everything else. And for everything else. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for uh, supporting us digitally on this platform. We're on Instagram. We're so grateful. We're on YouTube. We're so grateful. And hit us up on Facebook now and Twitter. We're on Twitter, TikTok, doing the things. So, you know, we're just trying to a mass domination we're trying to do. We're just trying to take over. This is and a world so, takeover. A church takeover. This is a church takeover through happy and holiness. And so um, we're going to do some shout outs because we just want to thank these people for supporting us. So, Jamie, want to do the shout outs? It would be my honor. Let's get some music. Go ahead. You're going to do your thing and you know. Get music going. Okay.
1: All right. So, first of all, a uh, big thank you to the people who found us on YouTube. Got two great comments um, that I was really super thrilled by. So, Rob Reed Music and D prod. Really, really encouraged by the notes you left us. Thank you so much. And Big shout out to Will Ford. Oh, I'll go. well. couldn't believe he listened. Definitely left an embarrassing comment back to you. Sorry to we all of so excited. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Kendra Scott, Sheaves, Melissa Nicole, Rachel Levon, Nina Davidson, Hilario, We have so many people who have been interacting with the content and we are so, so grateful for all of the follows, the support, the messages. It's really been such a blessing to see how our little conversations have
0: blessed you. So thanks guys. Our little conversations. Sorry, I had John throw a little blurring, so I have to actually, I need to turn it down because it's distracting me now. Okay. Our little conversations that have blessed some people. um, I really appreciate those people who are following us that are not friends and family. Now, that being said, I do appreciate friends and family. Thank you, friends and family who have been supporting. It's not easy to launch something. It's not easy to create. It's not easy to put yourself out there. And um, as we said, maybe the first or second episode, the reason we stepped into this is because there's not many options out there for wholesome content that is grounded on faith. Um, you know, I want to say varying towards the accuracy side but there's not a lot of options out there. And instead of complaining about like all the content out there, that's smut that we don't like, we need to offer something that is likable and that is truth. And so um, it's palatable and it's truthful. And so that's why we did this. And again, it's just not easy to create. It's not easy to, I mean, we both have full-time jobs, social lives, like the whole nine. And, but yet we feel just, um, We feel in this hour, in this hour, (laughs) how is that for Charismania? We feel like this is the hour, the hour to, uh, (laughs) to arise. Uh, There we go. That's how you know, you've been in the river, not arise. Oh man.
1: I love the charismatic church lingo.
0: Yeah, so this is, yeah, just in this hour, we just feel like we should be coming with some with some content. And so, again, thank you, family and friends, especially for supporting us. And it's always nice when there's people who don't have to support us who do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, strangers who have now becoming friends, people who are following the show, who are downloading the podcast, um, download and leave a rating. We have a lot more downloads and a lot more views than we do comments. So we know that people are watching, but we don't know who. It's nice to know who's out there. So please leave a love note, leave a comment, or even message us if you don't want to say anything publicly. Um, And of course, as always, you can always email us. Happy and holy co at gmail, gmail.com. Happy and holy co at gmail.com. So. Anyway, that's what I had to say about that. I feel like I had something else to say about it. Oh. Um, I feel like I just wanted to address like one thing when it comes to um why are we talking about entertainment news and then we trickle on down to talk about faith? Like why is why is there this intersection of like why we don't just do Bible and we why we don't just do entertainment? And I heard a wise man once say, um, I don't know who the wise man is, so I don't know who I'm quoting. I just heard the quote. But um, to be attentive to the world um, and preach the gospel into modern language, um, in order to do that successfully, you need to preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. And so that's kind of what this podcast is. (laughs) It's just us hanging out with you, but we're chatty Cathy's with the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And so with that. Oh.
1: I Jamie. love that. I I also just wanted to say, I don't know how anybody who loves Jesus cannot see all of life as integrated into into him. You know, if, if he is the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things and the reason for all things, which it says in revelation, uh, it stands to say that all of our lives, pop culture included is to glorify Jesus. So I look at everything and I think most Christians do look at everything through the lens of the gospel. And sometimes people put a lot of, um, whether it's shame on people in the public eye or shame on desiring to know what's going on in that space, um, neither of those really align with who we are as sons of God. And so when we talk about these okay. things, we want to talk about them through the lens of truth and through the revelation of the gospel. Okay. So uh, without further ado, <laughs> I feel like you have something to tell me about things that have been going on.
0: We were going to hit the did you know, but I forgot to do our introduction of happy and holy. Happy and holy, which is the term, a phrase coined by the poster child of Bulgaria, Georgian Banoff. One half of the Joy Apostles, Georgian and Winnie Banoff, and the phrase goes like so. The world wants you happy, but not holy. Religion wants you holy, but not happy. But Jesus came...
1: To make you both.
0: To make you both. And that's why we're here. The Happy and Holy Show. The Happy and Holy Podcast. And we, earlier, as we were gathering our show notes for this... um. We were talking about what 2nd Corinthians. Oop, I already lost this verse. 2nd Corinthians 124.
1: Um,
0: and we were talking about the verse that reads, oop, I'm gonna look for this verse. Oh, you can read and then I'll I'll get my steroid Bible.
1: What translation do you want me in?
0: I will start with the Jubilee.
1: You got it, babe. Get it from my Bible stack by my feet. Right. Was first or second Corinthians? Second. I'm second Corinthians, right? Oh, yeah. 124. Not not for that we have dominion over your faith, but our helpers of your joy for by faith ye stand.
0: Oh man. Helpers. Helpers of your joy. You have any other translations by your feet?
1: Uh yeah, I have modern English. Uh, New English Translation, ESB, NASB, TPT, New Jerusalem. Let's listen to the, what was it, the N-E-N-E-T? N-E-T? Yeah, and I also have the N-L-T.
0: Beautiful. Let's listen to the NET,
1: N-E-T over here. Second Corinthians one twenty four. I do not mean that we rule over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy, because by faith you stand.
0: By faith you stand. Um, all right, so I'm going to read from my steroid Bible, which is my twenty six translations, and um, we're, we're, we have a point that we're driving home. But let me read you in these little these these little translations. The Knox says, "Not that would we, not that we would domineer." over your faith rather we would help you to achieve happiness Ooh. to achieve happiness and then i'm gonna look at the the breakdown of this translation because it just says tcnt and then i'm gonna read the 20th century new testament first corinthians nope second corinthians 1 24. I do not mean that we are to dictate to you with regard to your faith. On the contrary, we work with you for your true happiness. Oof. I don't know, Jamie. I'm seeing a lot of happy in here.
1: It's a lot of happiness in all these translations of this particular verse.
0: A lot of happiness in this whole Bible. Can I read it from the voice? Oh, tell me yes. Give me the voice.
1: It's not that we want to coerce you in any manner of faith or any matter of faith. Sorry. We are co-workers called to increase your joy because you have stood firm in faith.
0: That's so uh I Call love that. Increase your joy. Increase, turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah. 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 So if you haven't caught on, you know, these people if you, if this is the first time you're tuning into the Happy and Holy podcast, you just checked out some, you know. However, you, the algorithm brought you to us, or maybe somebody shared a link with you, and you're wondering why Happy and Holy. Well, as you can see by these verses, it is achievable to live a happy and holy lifestyle, where you don't have to listen to the lies of bad theology, this hand-me-down nonsense that God cares more about your happiness than your holiness. He actually considers you both and he would want you to be both and so you don't have to sacrifice one for the other happiness does not belong to the world happiness is a byproduct of joy joy is a person it's Jesus and so um, amongst many reasons we name the show happy and holy which again is a phrase that is coined by the poster trial of Bulgaria Georgian Banoff one half of the joy apostles so with that being said Jamie yeah did you hear <laughs> tell me the coronation happened
1: oh so fun tell me about it
0: i don't really know anything beyond that i just know that there's <laughs> <laughs> there's camilla there's charles there's william there's kate There's some children involved. I think Harry showed up with no Meghan. So, you know, And uh, okay, something fun that I learned is that other countries have, like, have, like, monarchies and all that stuff, too. And I was like, wow, there's still kings and queens out there beyond the UK. yeah. Yeah, wow. There's
1: so much drama with royals around the world. I don't know if you know this, but do you, okay, did you ever watch Gossip Girl? No. Okay. Um, Well, there was a storyline where Blair married the Prince of Monaco. And she obviously, like, for most people even who didn't watch the show know that, like, it's always about Blair and Chuck. Blair and Chuck are the relationship glue that holds that whole show together. Without a straight couple holding it down, no show will succeed. (laughs) Um, and Blair and Chuck were that couple. And because Blair um, couldn't hold back her love for Chuck anymore, um, she um, ended up marrying the Prince of Monaco. so much drama. But anyway, long story long, she ends up running away after the wedding to the airport. So funnily enough, the real Prince of Monaco had a similar situation. Oh, my gosh. Uh, He was not nearly as beautiful as the one cast on on (laughs) Gossip Girl. (laughs) He was set to marry this this blonde woman. I can't remember her name. They are married now. But she was like an ex-athlete. She was, you know, beautiful, capable woman. And I think right before their wedding, she found out – that he had had a child with another woman like in another country the the philandering i think went beyond that as well but there was a significant amount of um just stuff where he was stepping out just having illegitimate children and she actually ran away she, I think she tried to run away before the wedding, but they caught her at the airport and like brought her back, and, like forced him her to marry him. Jeez. So I I love the royal drama. Um, I've also heard <laughs> that I can't remember the exact details, but I heard it really sucks to be a princess of Thailand. I heard they've they've got it really
0: hard. Yeah, I saw them. Yeah, I saw the people from Thailand and being all in their garb it was cute um it was a royal affair (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah, and so um i was seeing all these like these uh royal um whatever you call them these like royal royal leaders i guess so showing playing face whatever they call it i saw these people showing up and uh in arm. I don't think anyone oh no, sorry. The princess of Morocco. The the princess of Morocco came alone. Other than that, everyone else had a little a little boo in hand. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see. Um there's a, a lot of funny content out there about the coronation. My favorite was Queen Camilla getting that crown and they put the Ursula music okay. in the background. I was like, yo. <laughs> people are reckless so a lot of that
1: i have to say though for as as much as i'm not a camilla fan um i do admire the fact that she has managed to not only manipulate charles away from his marriage managed to even in the in the way that he's like a very powerful man like he could probably get like a lot a lot of different kinds of women women who are considered more beautiful or younger and she has managed to hold this man's heart and control him to even this age to the point where people think that it's love and I admire her because that must take a lot of work and a lot of striving to maintain (sighs) that Mm -mm. I don't have the energy to like No. Keep a man on the line the way she's kept him on the line all these years. Yeah. And in a way, because that was a lot of work, maybe she deserves a crown. Maybe. That's a point. That's That's a point. That must be exhausting to spend all your time with Charles and actually keep him, like, constantly on his toes. Yep. I can't even do that with a man in my own life for, like, more than three weeks. (laughs) I'm like tired from that. <laughs> I think she earned that crown, fair and square.
0: So is it? Was it? Is it the villain error? Has it been? Is it the villain error she stepped into? Oh, Has she's she a hundred
1: percent the villain. She, oh wow! But she worked real hard at her villainry.
0: She okay? She stepped into her villain arc and almost like she won.
1: Mm-hmm. She did the work. We don't like it. It's it's not right. It isn't justice. But it was
0: work, and it did work. This is sounding a lot like Star Wars to me. <laughs> you know, at the end, the bad guy kind of won. His plan, his evil plan worked. Obviously, we saw the damage it did. Nobody really won. Um, but the bad guy won. The villain won. And so maybe villains do get their miniseries and short stories. <laughs> her day in the sun it's her day in the sun and it's all now gonna she come
1: crashing stick- down just enjoy it while it lasts
0: again just like the villain in star wars yeah palpatine he was the bad guy he was kind of like the bad guy behind the curtain no one knew he was like the bad guy until he saw his moment of strike he took it he did it and people have realized once he like came in and did the thing was the bad guy and he was like Mah-hah-hah. once he did it people were like oh He's been devising this for years. Mm -hmm. A lot like Camilla. And so, her villain arc has started. And um, now she's a crowned villain. Uh, I was seeing a lot of like, (laughs) dude, they're funny in the UK. But I was seeing like these like, not my king. (laughs) Oh
1: my God. (laughs) I love how me. British people don't like their own monarchy.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: It gives me some hope for the Brits. I have called y'all out before, but I will say the one good quality I see about you is your disdain for your own monarchy.
0: Yeah, I was seeing some down with the monarch signs. Yeah, these people, were they were serious. About to have another <laughs> French Revolution. Oof. Ooh. That'll be, time will tell. Um. So yeah, we we did that. We, we got to witness we were alive when there was a transfer of power. There was a transfer of power happening. And um, they now have a new king. And his name is Charles. Um. Also, Jamie, did you know? Tell me. The live-action Little Mermaid is coming out at the end of this month. People care about that? Well, I don't. But yeah. it's, it's going to be uh really important to know that it's it's coming out like May 29th, and live action, the actress that they casted, you know, the people of color community are very thrilled to have an Ariel who is a POC, a person of color. And um, most people don't care, but insecure pocs do and um and for that the movie will flop because one we didn't need a live action little mermaid and two we didn't need to recast or rebrand ariel as a black little mermaid
1: ariel's also like the worst princess like really by far she's the worst princess because like every princess has their like thing you know like Cinderella, even Cinderella, she needed justice. She was like, I'm being like in a time where I, if she left her home, I get she what would you're be saying. like homeless beggar. So yeah. her alternative was like, I'm going to work for my stepmother and stepsisters. She was oppressed and she got freedom and she got a man with money. Get your bag, girl. Mary Even up. Snow White. Snow White, White was like, I'm trying to escape being killed. She was in an old school witness protection program. Yes. Started by a hunter. Right. Even the old school princesses were doing better than this. Like, really, especially like, okay, Little Mermaid came out in the 80s. And shortly after, we have like a real Disney renaissance that's like, kind of, like Little Mermaid was a bit of, um, almost like the kickstart to it i think
0: yeah actually yeah
1: i think so but the what came out afterwards the lion king pocahontas movies with far better characters that had more drive in them whereas ariel like she literally just sees this guy who's a total himbo by the way I don't know one thing about Prince Eric other than his goofy smile and his floppy (laughs) hair. And he has a dog like that is his (laughs) person. His dog is mad
0: cute, though. I will say that.
1: That dog is adorable. I will say that that movie
0: made me want old English sheepdogs. But go on.
1: I understand that. Um, Maybe it was why she fell for him so hard. But she literally sees this man. He's a different species than her and she's like i'm going to give it all up i'm going to sell out my dad for it and everything and her dad like that was that was so heartbreaking to me because he like he comes into her grotto and he's like i need you to stop wanting to be a different species cuz that's weird right that's weird. Like, if I had a kid who like filled their room with cat toys and litter boxes and was like, I just want to be a cat. Like, I just want to be where the cats are. Like, if they were like, I just want to walk on all fours. Like, I want to see what that's like. I want to like poop in sand. I would be like, first of all, I'm taking all of your stuff and I'm burning it. And you can't be a cat and you can't marry a cat because that's disgusting
0: wait a minute are you not being affirming of her transition to a
1: human i am not affirming a succubus turning into a human no (laughs) i I, if i were a poc i'd be offended i'd be like you're gonna make me a succubus the first princess you're gonna make me is not even a human i know Are you like, are you serious right now? And then her whole goal, her whole goal is just to get this guy. That's her story. She's not trying to save her people like Pocahontas. She's not trying to save China. She's not even in the old school princess protection program. She's just literally obsessed with this dude who is, again, not her species.
0: Just a different species.
1: Her dad was totally right. She knew nothing about this guy. Even if they were the same species, she didn't know anything about him. And, yet, and she gave up her singing
0: career. And yet she was thirsty. She says one glimpse of that, Eric. And the, let me tell you something. There should have been a little story in there that should have been speaking into little girls and their insecurities because she was, she was willing to give it all up. Mm-hmm. I mean, this girl was royalty. She was the darling
1: of that Royal family. She was, she was the, the princess Pearl Anastasia of, that
0: of the sea. Ooh, the Anastasia. Yeah, for sure. She was their Pearl. I don't know if her dad ever called her a Pearl, but she was their gem. Well, she
1: definitely was the singer that Sebastian was like, but she's the one she, like uh, she her sisters are great. But like, you, listen to this girl sing.
0: Wow. So homegirl was like, mm the book's not
1: great either the book's actually really messed up i don't i don't like the book i don't like hans christian anderson and like <laughs> look if they blame anything about this movie like tanking when they're like oh nobody went to see it it must be because people don't like seeing ariel in a different color
0: yeah no. they're racism
1: No, do not blame racism. I'm telling you right now, Little Mermaid is the worst Disney princess, the worst movie of the Disney Renaissance, and the worst fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. You mess up, and you can't come out with new stuff. You're just regurgitating the old. We have many reasons. You're flopping, you're phoning it in, and we all know it.
0: Yes, this is not a race bait. We just will tell you, we already know your movie will suck. Because it was not the greatest. It may have had some great songs. I'll say that. The songs were great, actually. Speaking of recreating. This idea of making this Disney princess now black. And everybody was in the uproar. And you're like, yes, girl. Haley Bailey. And I was just like, you guys are morons. We've done this before. Do we not remember Cinderella? When Brandy was Cinderella. And oh, Whitney Houston was the godmother. Was
1: iconic. That movie was iconic, and I also love how they were like, Victor Garber plus Whoopi Goldberg equals Filipino prince. Thank you. And we didn't question it. We didn't think about it at all. Inclusion. I Like, I literally, as a child, didn't think about it. I was like, how, no. does, how did they get a Filipino man from this union? I didn't don't know. know. I didn't ask the questions. I was no. just enjoying myself.
0: I was just enjoying the songs with Whitney. I just can't, okay? I can't. I was like, Brandy's so pretty. This is amazing. We did not need to recreate it about some mystical creature who lives underwater, who combed her hair with a fork and listened and spoke to talking crustaceans. We do not need it created again, a remake of a princess who's now a POC. And um, yeah, they used to have these arguments about like, oh, the original mermaids were black. Listen, let me tell you, okay? as a daughter of an immigrant and haitian american um when we talked about mermaids in our culture it was never a good story (laughs) so yes mermaids were were black they weren't originally black but the black mermaids were like um they were demonic (laughs) they were um evil deities and um They were they were not good news. And so it's so weird that people like you're so thirsty to have some type of like validation that you're willing to slap on a slap on a different color or somebody just so you can feel included. And um, it's weird. Just if you want to enjoy it, go back and watch Cinderella starring Brandy and Whitney Houston. Victor Garber. I forgot about Victor Garber. He was in my favorite version of Annie, too.
1: He he is such a good like dad
0: role. He's such a good dad.
1: It's also great in alias.
0: That's right. He was an alias. Really, really. We great love that. alias. That's so funny. Um, we, we, yeah, we super love that. Um, well, have another. Did you know? Tell me. Did you know there's a documentary coming out? What about? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? There's a documentary coming out on May 19th. Uh huh. About Hillsong. Wow. And do you know who's casted in this documentary? Tell me Carl Lentz. Wow. It's breaking his silence. Oh, he's breaking his silence, all right. Yeah, so Carl Lentz is in this documentary, uh, the second or third or fifth documentary now about Hillsong. People keep, like, thinking that they're uncovering, like, like, like they're archaeologists, like, just digging for stuff with Hillsong. And it's, like, all about Suda. But I don't, you know, we can, we'll, I'll pin that, and we'll talk about it later. But this documentary's coming out, and it's called um, Uncovering Hillsong or something. It's, like, a Mysteries of Hillsong. Like, <laughs> First of all, the church is like still standing and they're making it sound like we're in ancient Rome. And um, so doing this whole thing with uh, Carl Lentz, I've seen him so much in the trailers, which lead me to believe that he probably only has like two minutes in this whole documentary. And um, I also am led to believe because of how they're overhyping Carl Lentz's involvement in this documentary. He's probably not going to say too much, but a lot of like they're, Editorial team is genius because they want us to be thirsty. They want people who want uh, just like dingy gossip. They want those people who want to just gossip about Hillsong. Those people are going to eat it up. They're going to eat it up.
1: Well, I think, you know, now Carl has everything to lose because he just managed to get back into ministry. So he can't afford to make a mess right now. Um, And especially when it comes to like, working at a high-profile church, if he's going to spill the tea on a high-profile church, that's pretty much going to shoot him in the foot for working at other high-profile churches. And he just got on staff at a high-profile church. Correct. So he can't really afford to lose that. People who hire him are already taking a chance.
0: Yeah. I, Mm mm-hmm.
1: I can't see him spilling any tea. I I can't even see him really saying anything unkind. I he's going to be extremely PC. I
0: they're think gonna, so. They're going to
1: be giving them nothing.
0: What's going to happen though? Again, editorial teams, this is what they're this is what they're made to do. His interview may be cut to have the POV of someone who is talking down about Hillsong. Oh, I think that the, the documentary is called like mega church exposed. That's what it's called. I believe. Don't quote me on that. But if
1: you're not um, watching us on video. I just want you to know my eyes just turned (laughs) into slits when she said that. Just
0: so you know, just so you know. Um, Yeah. I would just be careful because you know, When we watch this uh, documentary that's going to be on FX, let me tell you something. FX has not been relevant since they started playing reruns of all the good shows, which, you know, at the time was Futurama and they were doing uh, married with children and doing all that stuff, but there's nothing on FX that's relevant now. And anything on FX usually has to have a rating of R. And so I'm not sure why they chose FX to um, debut this documentary I almost feel like
1: FX was the only one who would take it. Really? (laughs) I mean, like, to me, like, FX, like, I forget it exists all the time.
0: Just so surprised.
1: I bet they had other people, they were reaching out to, like, bigger names. And those bigger names were like, oh, maybe we may be kind of interested. And they had meetings with them. And they're like, you know what? We're going to pass. And I feel like FX has nothing to lose because they have zero reputation other than being a rerun channel,
0: they're a rerun channel. Um, wasn't Netflix, didn't Netflix, um, didn't they stream the original Hillsong? Doc- they did. Like, okay, so somebody probably went to them and was like, Hey, you want to do a part two? And they were like, No. So then, of course, Hulu was like, We're not touching that. Um, because they get into very dicey documentaries i think the biggest one that caused a lot of controversy controversy was the tommy and pam miniseries that they did and it caused a lot of trouble and so i think um hulu did not want to do deal with something that was dicey and so they said no so you already have your two major streaming networks that are like ixne you turn to fx who will do anything for a buck because it's a dying channel.
1: I mean, the whole cable TV is already just crashing and burning. And dying honestly, entity. like, the, I'm so tired of literally every dying medium using Christians to make money. It's like they can only, like, whether they're putting out Christian films because Christians are, like, the only ones who will go out and support there are Christian movies. Like people won't go out to other movies, and Christians are like, "We'll rally. We're gonna go. We're gonna support. We're like, hold, like we are single handedly funding the movie theaters." And then cable television's dying, and so the only thing they can get to support it is like bitter ex Christians, and then they're not gonna give us credit for funding their crap. Unbelievable. <laughs>
0: it's true that's gonna be who the that's gonna be the demographic that they reach out to the bitter ex-christians which i like to call ex-girlfriends they're like bitter ex-girlfriends when you walk away from the lord and you're just like i don't believe in jesus anymore you're just bitter ex-girlfriend because like totally. what what do bitter ex-girlfriends do they're always still in your life they're still checking your socials they want to know what you, who you're hanging out with what you want to do um who's the new girlfriend you swear you don't care about that person, but yet you're still stalking them. And that's what people who walked away from the Lord do. I mean, um, especially when they like to say I'm deconstructing. Um, you're a bitter ex-girlfriend. And those are the same people that will post memes about Christians. They'll post memes about Jesus. They'll post memes about Christianity. And they'll be like, this is why I walked away. I walked away for this reason. You're a bitter ex-girlfriend. Because you're so like you're so thirsty for like everything that we're doing in the community that you excommunicated yourself from. You didn't be kick- you weren't kicked out. You left the church, and because God has a lot more patience than we do, the door is up to you whether you want to come back or not. No one's you know like we're not here to chase you. Especially me, I'm not here to chase anybody. And so you're just a bitter ex girlfriend. Get over it choose choose what you want to do like and it's the same thing i would tell one of my friends who would be stalking one of her exes either you're gonna move on or hit him up slide into his dms and be like hey can we talk and that's what i say to the christians who walked away from the lord like if you're gonna be gonna be somebody who walked away from the lord but yeah you're like always checking to see what your christian friends are doing you're um looking at christian tiktok or you're watching like christian shows just so that you can tear them down maybe you just need to slide in jesus's dms and be like hey can we talk me talk sorry i was wrong sorry i didn't mean what i said the other day (laughs) my gosh and so um yeah that's the demographic that um i'm sure the documentary will appease of course also the stand the typical the typical heresy hunters will also be watching because they just need the pat on the back from Um, from mainstream media to tell them that to tell them that they were right. And this is what I'll have to say about that. There's a problem when mainstream media is covering the church and then between the bitter exes of the church and the self-proclaimed heresy hunters combined powers and they get watching these shows and or they get watching these documentaries and once they watch these documentaries and then they will do like a whole like mini series on TikTok or on Instagram or they'll put like a, put out like a whole Facebook post or write a blog because all their suspicions were made correct through a documentary where you needed to partner partner with someone outside of the kingdom in order to prove that something was wrong in the kingdom. And mainstream media doesn't have a say in what we do in our house. So as far as like, it's foolish for a Christian to support. Now I'm watching the documentary because I'm curious as to, um, like I'm just kind of curious as to what they're gonna say. I, I actually the only reason I'm watching is because I want to see what Carl Lund says. Because my whole my whole stance behind Carl Lentz joining Transformation Church was, we don't know what the story is, we don't know where he's at. All I know is that he had repented for what he did and a repentful um, pastor should have the opportunity to be put back into leadership because people make mistakes. And instead of tearing leaders down when they make a mistake, we should find ways to restore them. And that was my stance on Carl once when I found out that he was going back to Transformation Church. Now, I want to watch because I'm like, I wonder what's Carl's take on this whole thing with Hillsong and how they're going after him and they're going after Hillsong. I'm not watching it because I need to affirm my feelings and my suspicions about Hillsong. You know how I feel about Hillsong? You know how I feel about Hillsong? They write bangers. Okay. I'm still worshiping from songs that they wrote in the nineties because they just write bangers. Okay. You still, most of, most of my youth group days are filled with songs from Hillsong. Um, I can't tell you what they preached about, but I could tell you what they wrote about. Okay. Um, cause I wasn't always on the Brian Houston kick because he just wasn't, I didn't connect with him in that way. Like I wasn't watching sermons being like, Ooh, Brian Houston. But I was like one way, Jesus, you're the only thing that I can live for. Like, that's me. That was me with Hillsong. Okay. Um, that's all I needed to know. As far as Hillsong goes, I don't have any suspicions for what went on in their house. I'm not concerned what went on in their house. What happened in their house needs to be dealt with in their house. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm here in Dallas minding my own business. If you (laughs) if you have something going on there, you don't need mainstream media to come in and exploit the church and then Christians to partner with mainstream media to exploit the church. There's a problem there.
1: Yeah. There's a problem there. Partnering with the enemy in talking trash about a church, that's not a good look if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, okay, you're a flop. Whatever, be a flop. But if you're a Christian and you're going to partner with that, like, that's so embarrassing. You don't get to determine that. And I think things that, like, people forget, and I think Americans have this expectation, and I really – I need to call out Americans – American Christians or any Christians who have this expectation, <laughs> but a lot of people really expect perfection out of the church they go to. Why would you yes. ever expect that? You are going to be disappointed and you're going to get pissed off. I had friends who were connected to Hillsong were very high up in their connections. Um, they knew all of these people that people talk about when it comes to the New York Hillsong team, people who knew Carl were close to Carl, close to people high at the top. And I would hear about the drama, but I was like, of course there was drama because there are people involved. There was drama at my little church too. And people talk trash about that too, but nobody ever talked about it on TV or any big scale because this church is small and it unfortunately, um, although they deserve it, is getting smaller. <laughs> That's what happens when you're in disobedience. Let me tell you, I think the Lord yeah. blesses Hillsong because at least in the music department they are very obedient.
0: Very, yeah. And, very.
1: Um, and I honor them for that. But every church, regardless of the size, is it's going to be drama. It's going to be problems. It's going to be leaders making bad decisions, leaders making selfish decisions. But we honor who the Lord calls us to honor. We go where the Lord calls us to go. And we trust Him to bring justice. We don't need to have the world bring justice. The world will not bring justice. The world is like literally hates us. Why would you partner with the world? in any way shape or form just trust the lord to bring justice and if it's not your house and you don't know anything about it you're not going to hear about it and know anything about it don't act like you'll be able to hear from someone talking about it and be like oh i know exactly what went on and i know what side i'm on one you have no idea (laughs) two the people who told you were incredibly biased three you're incredibly biased four you have no idea yep it's not your house
0: it's not your house
1: and i also think that christians like literally they don't know what to do when there's problems within a church like if it's if it's your house right if you have relational equity speak to the people who are making the the mistakes who are causing the problems if you don't have relational equity then stop acting like You can do anything in your flesh about it. Just pray about it. Ask the Lord to step in. Like, leave if the Lord releases you. But stop acting like talking trash about things is going to fix anything. Like, it literally, like, you're doing the same thing over and over again, whether we're trash-talking Hillsong or trash-talking PTL, like, whatever it is, we're trash-talking. It's never glorify the lord it's never built people up it's never corrected them or put them in their destiny it's always just torn the kingdom down it has devastated the church and kept it from advancing um to not deal with these problems in a healthy manner you're just destroying people and destroying organizations that the lord was using
0: yeah amen it's true um the whole not your house vibe is a it's very problematic There's no justifying your hatred or your bitterness when you partner with the world um, to tear down another ministry. Um, Now, I'm I'm going to. So I'll say this. um, Tearing down another person's ministry based off of their behavior. okay, doesn't it doesn't. Feel good. It doesn't tickle. It doesn't make anyone feel justified. You don't feel holier than now just because you were able to tear down somebody else's ministry. Um, There are things that do need to be called out in a church. That's for the church to take care of. Okay. I'm not here to say that, um, oh, I always knew these pastors were evil. I always knew this, that, and the other thing, blah, 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 or stuff. Now, that differs from when people are proclaiming proclaiming to preach the gospel and the gospel that they're preaching is not gospel okay that itself needs to be addressed and it's the gospel that we're correcting it's not the person the person is is a person it, that person belongs to Jesus presuming that they know Christ which if they're preaching the gospel they should so um there's a big difference. Like, I know if you hear us like talking about like, oh, so-and-so said this from the pulpit the other day, that's not us attacking the person. We're not going after the per- person. We're putting into the right perspective, the gospel truth that X, Y, Z, like this was said, and this was incorrect. And we don't want to Lord over your faith, but we want to be helpers of your joy. As we were talking about with second Corinthians one twenty four. So that's how it hugely differs from somebody going, Ooh, I knew that everything happening in Hillsong was sketch. There was like ex Hillsong goers who were like, you know, that they thought that they had all the tea that they could tell us and be like, Oh, I know that Carl did this and this and this and they laundered money and they did this and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Because when you sit there and you're on camera or you're making TikToks or making Instagram videos and posts or whatever about your time at a church and you feel like that you're doing an expose, I immediately bypass the expose and I look at you <laughs> and I'm looking at the at the stature. I'm looking at the the temperature of your heart and knowing that it grew really cold. And so I wouldn't even want to consume what you have to say because I'm like, oh, there's some bitterness you need to address before we even talk about anything. And so the idea of um, that's something that gets me really fired up when we talk about the church partnering with mainstream media to tear down another ministry. That's a no, no, that's actually pharisaical in, in nature, very pharisaical. The Pharisees always wanted to like, Hey, they're doing this wrong. They're doing this wrong. Hey. And then they were trying to shame Jesus. They were trying to shame other people and bring them to Jesus. Very pharisaical in mindset to be like, Our ministry is good. We're doing everything according to the law correctly. Yeah, who cares about the heart? But the law, the law, we're following the law to a T. And um, anytime you're going to partner with the Pharisees, (laughs) you're you're rooting for the losing team. And so um, the last point I'll say about it is um, once you know Christ, you belong to a different community. You're of a different um, you're cut from a different cloth. Okay. You become a new nature and you're born into a family. You now become a citizen of heaven because you are in Christ. I like to give examples sometimes of um, Jamie. I know you and I, we talk about how deliverance ministries differ based off of culture. And because of cultures being different, we don't get to dictate what is right and what is wrong. Even church. Um, even church behavior, everyday like church um, happenings. Some black churches are like, "Hey, this is how we address these people. This is how we do this. This is where people sit. This is where people stand." Um, some white churches do things differently. Some Asian churches do things differently. They do they do things according to culture. Okay, as a citizen of heaven. Inside your culture, inside your country, okay, so I'll use Africa for an example. As an American, I don't get to judge Africa for how they farm. I don't get to judge Africa for how they run their government. I don't get to judge Africa for their family structure because I am not African. I don't live there. I don't know what their way of life is. And so it would be foolish as an American to say, oh, the family structure, the African family structure is messed up. Or the way that Africans do cult, do government is messed up. I don't live there, so I don't get to dictate that. In the same way, when mainstream media attacks the church and tries to tell us like what we do with money, how we treat our our congregation, what we do, blah blah blah. blah you're judging a whole nother culture that you're not aware of. You don't live that culture. You don't get to dictate what is right and what is wrong. You're on the outside looking in and you're judging with a preconceived notion that you know how it should run. Well, how would you know? You're not from this culture. You're not cut from this clock. You're actually, of a, a, you're actually a, a citizen somewhere else. So mm-hmm. you're on the outside looking in telling us how we should function. And so... That's something else to take into account when um, that was one of the heartbreaking things is that when um, the documentary came out, the last documentary came out in 22, apparently Hillsong is just an easy target. Okay. And when Hillsong stops being a target, they will pick another mainstream church. Mm -hmm. So now it's Hillsong, but like, let's say you guys go to elevation. Who's to say they want to attack you? Oh no. Pastor Ferdick would never, you don't know that.
1: Oh, and as somebody who lives in Charlotte, there is a lot to attack and a lot of people ready to talk.
0: A lot of people ready to talk. That's what I'm saying. But the way we could stop it, like, again, things that happen in your house should be addressed in your house. So the way to stop that is stop feeding into mainstream media, telling us how we should dictate and telling us how we should operate in our church. Let us address what happens in our house. As Christians, we could, (laughs) <laughs> we we could determine what is right and what is wrong because we actually have a moralistic standard because without Christ, you don't have any morals. You have nothing to live by. You have nothing to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Oh yeah, I know what's right and what's wrong. Well, how did you determine what's right and what's wrong? Is killing somebody wrong? Yeah, well, why? If you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Christianity, if you don't believe, sure, Christianity is not the only religion that tells you that killing somebody is wrong, but you wouldn't know um You wouldn't know morals without the Bible. You wouldn't know morals without Christ. And so, again, within Christianity, there are a lot of things to explore. There are a lot of things to talk about. There are a lot of things to explain. It's hard to do that to somebody who's on the outside looking in. Obviously, there's an invitation for anyone to to enter into the family. The invitation into the kingdom is always open, but... It's it's never gonna be it's there's never gonna be a happy ending to um, you know the the big media, big tech, uh, mainstream media attacking the church, and running their expose. I mean, people do it all day long on TikTok, um, all day long. Which leads me to um, our next topic about you know Christianity and witchcraft and. The things that was happening with Jackie Hill Perry on TikTok earlier this week to which I'm not here to defend Jackie Hill Perry but the whole um, disagreement came TikTok is just a war zone <laughs> it is a wild wild west out there
1: Like I'm, I'm glad they allow us to have a war somewhere because they silence the war in other places
0: it's true at least we can see what's happening mm-hmm. on TikTok I mean people do get shadow banned and all that stuff but at least at least, but it's just wild out there. I was thinking the other day, I was like, you mean to tell me that I could make a video and if somebody doesn't like it, they could just stitch my video, duet my video and like shame me for what I believe, how I think, how I dress, how I look, just because they feel like it. They can just take my video now becomes public property to TikTok because I post a video and people just go ham. And so um, what happened with the Jackie Hill Perry video that went viral was she was at a conference, I believe it was a women's conference. We already know how we feel about that. Check out episode three. Um, She was speaking at a women's conference and she was talking to African American women and she was saying, don't buy into the lie that in order to be um, an African American woman, you need to be a witch. And um, because the African-American culture, the they really buy into the sage and the crystals and let's talk to our ancestors and all that other stuff. And um, she's like, don't buy into it. It's a lie. And to which I can say yes and amen to that. Right. But because that video was clipped and posted, not Jackie Hill posting it, but the video was clipped and posted most likely because somebody was like, yes, amen. And you should check out this video the video goes viral and, um, this self-proclaimed witch took the video and was like, Oh, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to break this down to a T. Let me give you some facts. And the irony was that nothing she said was factual. Um, and so (laughs) irony. Wow. That's nothing for her. It's, It's so bad. It's so bad. And the girl, because she's so like demonstrative and she already has a following and, um, she is like so i would call her an influencer so because of that and she claims to be like an ex-christian but it seems like somebody who had maybe surface level had known of the bible like i want to say like sunday school youth group type relationship with the lord and then maybe walked away from the lord before she went to college um is what i'm getting and so she had like another a lot of basic like basic knowledge of christianity and so her goal was to debunk a lot of things that we believe and everything that she said about the bible in um in plain sight was like oh okay well god wiped out an entire nation of egypt just because he wanted to protect his children of israel does that seem like a god you want to serve he wiped out an entire nation Um, He didn't wipe out the
1: entire nation. Correct. (sighs) Like if he had wiped out the entire nation, why are there Egyptians? First of all, like you, all you have to do is like open up your eyes and look around to know the first fact is not true.
0: Correct. Correct. So actually, which brings me to my next point is that what she was actually trying to illuminate was that, Um, it's interesting that Jackie Hill would say that about African-American women. She's like, considering that Christianity was used um, to condone slavery. So in order to um, be a slave, uh, a slave owner or trader, you had to be Christian and Christianity said it was okay. And Christianity gave us the green light to be, um, to be enslaved and for non people of color to be, slave owners and so which is like one of the easiest things to dispel as far as christianity and slavery that's like the number one thing that you get from black people is like well you know the you know slavery was allowed in the bible because they take these different instances and they're like blah. blah, blah. anyway it's not the point that we can talk about right now but i will say that um again she had taken a lot of bible out of context and um her her point about christianity and sla- slavery could be debunked really easily now there was this guy on tiktok his name is kb kbj um it's like chap kbj and he does an excellent excellent like um breakdown this um belief system is is an easy cop-out for why some um African-American people and it's not just African-American people sometimes it's African-American people and white people who want to feel sad for us black people because they want us they feel so bad that we're oppressed but we have to be impressed We, we have to be oppressed because they feel bad for us and so like um and they need to push our oppression on us so that they can be validated as people who care So the social justice warriors need us to feel oppressed. Like if I wasn't oppressed, then there would be no need for those social justice warriors. But because we have the social justice warriors, I need to be oppressed. And so sometimes it's not always just black people who are just like, oh, you know, Christianity is the reason why there was slavery, right? Like, well, when you have like idiots like Jasmine, who don't read the Bible in context, and you can't understand the book sometimes without getting to know the author, And so without spending time, one, in the word, with the influence of the Holy Spirit, reading the Bible, how am I supposed to receive from you any wisdom that comes, like, when it comes to the Bible? I can't. I'm not going to receive any wisdom from you. And so um, what Jasmine had to say was that, like, you know, Jackie Hill, it's really interesting that you're saying that about African-American women because you shouldn't even be on that pulpit. You should not be preaching because they don't believe that black people should be free. Well, there's nowhere that it says that. And so this amazing apologist, um, chap KBJ is his name on um, TikTok. He just broke it all down. This morning, no, this afternoon, I was spending time with the Lord and I was reading the book of Philemon. And in the book of Philemon, it's that beautiful letter that Paul wrote about, um, what is it? Onesimus. Onesimus. Um, I'm
1: mispronouncing that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and blame. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to blame the church I go to in Charlotte because that's. Well, I wanted to say
0: one because like, you know how it's like one and then Simon. So, Mm -hmm. Anna Simon. (laughs) Onesimus. So, Onesimun. Um, in the book of Philemon, Anisimmon is the slave that Paul is pleading for his freedom. And he's like, oh, like, please like, and it was so humble that Paul wrote that letter was like, you know, I've had an amazing time with your, with your servant. I do know that he ran away from you and I, I'm sure that makes you upset. Like Paul is being such a counselor in that time, right? He's like reconciling, um, uh anis <laughs> now i'm always gonna Anesimus. be like Anesimus. <laughs> yeah dang it Anesimus. um and philemon he's like his his goal was to reconcile them but also be like hey come on just set him free because if he's free then you don't have to be mad that he ran away but just the fact that paul wrote this beautiful letter like we don't know if Anesimus, right Mm -hmm. You got it. We don't know if Anesimus was black. Like, I'm not assuming he's black just because he was a slave. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Right. So um, Paul writes this beautiful letter in Philemon just being like, yo, just let the guy go. I'm sure by now he's paid you back. And he's like, and even if he hasn't paid you back enough, Paul's like, I'm sure I've done enough for you that could pay off his debt. But then Paul kind of ended the letter with like, you know, I'm not gonna say, I'm not not gonna lie, but you kind of owe me. (laughs) Like he was like, that was so funny. You know, he wrote this beautiful letter, and at the end, he's like, bottom line, you owe me, so just (laughs) let him go anyway. You know. And um, I love Petty Paul. Petty Paul, and so I'm just reading this beautiful letter. I don't even know why I was like, even in it. Like I wasn't even. I'm not looking. I'm not in the Bible looking like, oh, I need to dispel slavery and black people. No, like, no, I wasn't even looking. I just was reading this letter and just being so um, just impressed with Paul's heart, not just demanding you let him go. But he's like, come on. He's a lover of the gospel. He's your brother. I know he was a slave. And um, but he loves the gospel and he's been serving me so well. And the people here love him. And just like, may I have your permission to set him free? In that letter alone, you can see God's heart as to what, how he feels about slavery. You can see where Paul talks about slavery. A lot of people love to quote Timothy, and I forget the verse. When it comes to slavery, people like to quote Timothy. And that was Paul's letter to Timothy. And so it wouldn't be the same offer for Philemon to be writing to Timothy, condoning slavery in one, in one breath and in the next breath being like, Actually, no, you should set them set them free. And so. Of course, we can talk about the exegesis, we could talk about hermenitus, we could talk about but basically I'm just talking about common sense and common sense tells you that obviously God who is love would not be the same God who would be like, yeah, and you can also have slaves and you can also beat your slaves and you can rape your slaves and you could separate children from their parents as slaves like that's not the God that we serve. And so but unfortunately, a lot of people love to run with that narrative. They love to run with like, yeah, this is that's that's the God who says that slavery is okay. But the issue is not um, people love to look at the symptom and be like, oh, the symptom is the problem when you have to find the root of the symptom and you don't go after the root. You only attack the fruit. And so the fruit is that people have mistreated people since the beginning of time. And people have misjudged the intentions and the motives of God since the beginning of time. And this is where you get people who say, oh, Christianity had condoned slavery. Like basically was like, yo, slavery is okay.'" But that narrative doesn't match the God of the Bible. And so all it takes is for you to slow down, take two steps back, maybe shut off your phone and get off of TikTok. And for a second, just think about, meditate, sit with the Lord and be like, God, are you the same God? First of all, Jesus had to quote Isaiah in order to say that he came to set the the captives free. He wasn't just talking about slavery at the time, but the idea that he would come to set captives free tells you that he is not a God of slavery. Hello, this is the same God who who set his children, who delivered his children from Egypt into the promised land in egypt they were slaves so why would the same god then you know two thousand years later a thousand years later say you know actually slaves might be a good idea and so um when it comes to these people who want to run with the narrative of like and they love to take a verse and be like well what about this verse who cares what your interpretation of this verse is you instead of telling well, instead of me explaining this verse to you why don't you explain to me who you think god is And then we can talk about if you think that Christians were allowed to have slaves or that the Bible had said that slavery was okay. We just have to be careful with our ears, what we consume and what we believe and what we perceive and everything that comes in. That's basura. It's like all trash, just all this garbage that comes in and um, you have to filter it. And so, again, I'm not here to defend Jackie Hill Perry. This whole thing with Jackie Hill had went so viral. That it ended up on, um, I think, Hollywood Unlocked or The Shade Room, one of those two channels. Like, and and people are tearing her to shreds in the comments, tearing her to shreds, just because she wanted to set people free and say, "Hey, I don't think that um, in order to be validated as a black woman, you need to be a witch." And triggers, 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 triggers. I mean, the triggers went off so hard that you saw smoke and so people are just like what do you mean don't take away my crystals and so everyone gets upset this self-proclaimed witch um with a following that's just as insecure as her comes to her defense and i love that this guy just came and he gave all of these oh man he gave so many facts so many books so many articles so much history yeah. I don't know if you have any anything you want to um, add into that. But I, mean, um, I don't know how I could add to the
1: absolute geniosity with which you eviscerated this <laughs> girl's comment. Um, I mean, I guess the only thing I could say is just what every... Pastor or person who knows the word is going to remind everybody about slavery in the Bible is that when people got themselves into slavery, um, at least within the community of Israel, it was because they were in debt and they were... Um, Unable to pay their way out of the debt they were in, so they worked their way out of it. So slavery had very little to do with race and everything to do with financial situations. Correct. Um, And I also want to remind everybody that the laws that God gave people um, regarding getting out of debt and becoming an indentured servant, I want to remind everyone for... Uh, those who didn't hear because I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, although I don't remember which episode. And I also um, mentioned that I don't know how to pronounce this word because I've only read it. I've read a lot about it, but I did not heard someone speak about it. But the law of Harambe, which is the law of the surrounding nations of Israel at the time when they were given the law, um, was a far more intense version of what God gave them. The Israelites wanted rules and regulations. What they were familiar with was the law that the surrounding nations used. And God's law that he gave them was a lot kinder. For example, Mm -hmm. thieves would get their hands cut off um, when they were caught um, in other nations, but God said, thieves pay seven times what you've stolen. So it's a lot kinder to the people who um, get themselves into trouble. So when it comes to getting into debt and then getting into a place of indentured servitude, I am assuming, um, or I think I have read about this, but I have forgotten, but I am assuming based on my impressions after my research that it is a far kinder way to deal with those in debt than the surrounding nations would. So um, I need everyone to remember that the context is that God is kinder than people thought he would be um but also he was kind to the point that they could handle it because at that point in time had god given them the full amount of grace and mercy that he absolutely had capacity to give them. Unfortunately, the fruit of that would have been a lot of disobedience and people really whiling out and then uh, Israel not being able to fulfill their destiny. And so the Lord works with us where our faith and where our souls are at. And I think the uh, law that he gave them is very, very evident of that, of where people were as a culture and in in that time, um, how they would have received rules and regulations. It's, it's very cognizant to what they could handle.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's on that. And so I'm not here to listen to anybody who has secret insights about Christianity from the outside looking in. You're on the outside looking in for a reason, and I hope the view is fine. Um, (laughs) But that um, leads to um, yeah, that leads to the next segment where we're talking about what is this guy's name? Jordan Neal? Jordan Neely? Jordan Neely. Oh, Jordan Neely. So that leads to the next segment. So this whole thing in New York City, it's a little wild. <laughs> so yeah. um, people have been protesting and um, yeah, what? when are they not protesting in New York City?
1: Oh, my God. It's exhausting. They take over the streets. They make everything smell like pee.
0: You run. Yeah. Traffic is terrible on top of traffic being terrible. Because the subway, it's New York City.
1: Like certain stations you don't want to get off because there's too many people in the station, outside the station. God, it's the worst.
0: Some of them, I bet you have been close. Some of the subway stations have been close, I'm sure, since Jordan I hope Neely. they did. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard, Jordan Neely was basically this homeless man who was bugging out on the train. I don't know if he was having a spell, like if he was just having a moment where he was like out of his mind, but came on the train, came on the subway being like, I want food, somebody better give me food now, or I'm gonna hurt somebody. And I don't really care about my life. And so basically try me, but he's like, I'm not getting off until somebody gives me food. And um, an ex-marine was on the subway. I'm sure, I'm sure you can easily look up this story. I would just say be careful of whose uh, point of view you look this story up from. On the train, heard this guy walling out and was like, I gotta do something about this. Put him in a non-lethal chokehold um, because he's like, you, you gotta calm down. You're scaring people. There was another guy who had been interviewed about like what happened and this was a grown man who also said he was scared. He was like, I was concerned. I was scared. And so people are... I need to subdue you because you're scaring people. And in the struggle, two other men come and they check his pockets because, like, why else are you threatening people? We um we need to check and make sure that you don't have something lethal that can hurt people because you're obviously not well right now. And so in the chokehold, as he was struggling, you know, he's trying to get out, he's trying to flip the guy, he's doing a whole thing, he actually passes out and he passes away. And so With that whole thing, the ex-Marine, ex-military, this vet, had um, he was taken down to the station when it happened, but no charges were pressed. And because no charges were pressed, um, some NYC residents are in an uproar. I also don't think it's just NYC residents. I think that some people were sent to New York City to help destroy the city, um, help start the riots, help start the protests helped start to say his name and they're dancing in the streets. I mean, I don't know what that's doing to honor anybody passing away, but I mean, a couple of the live streams that I had seen from people who are just like, "Hey, here's what's going on." These people were literally doing stomp the yard in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge, and I was like, "I I don't know how that's honoring anybody, but um sure. How about thee?" And so, um we we wanted to talk about not necessarily this situation jordan neely is a very unfortunate event i will say from growing up in jersey city in new york city being my backyard there were a lot of times where i did not feel safe even walking past some homeless people who were not in the right state of mind because they said and did some wild things and so um Uh, I know some public figures were stating that, you know, homeless people are just people who need help and they need guidance and they need a home and they need a shower and they need a meal, which all that has been made available to. Some of them don't take it. I know homelessness is a problem in NYC. It's not the only problem in NYC. These streets are rough (laughs) and it's not safe. And that was like 20 years ago that I was like, walking around doing my thing in new york city jersey city even in jersey city and so i too could imagine feeling alarmed feeling in danger not feeling safe if someone's proclaiming in a closed subway okay i used to take the path train back and forth from jersey city to new york city to just hang out and i can't imagine like when the doors close and once the doors close somebody threatening my life like that's not okay And so, uh, what some people are going to make it that what it's not, they're going to make it out to be something that it's not. And they're making it about this black man who was killed by a white man. And part of the reason why Jamie and I wanted to talk about this and address it was because we just, we want to prohibit you from going down this slope where the media or the powers that be want to weaponize your emotions and cause you to think or feel a certain type of way about a people group or a person because the media is trying to dictate how you feel. And so, Jamie, I don't know what you I'll say about that.
1: Well, first of all, as New Yorkers, I definitely consider Jersey City a part of New York City. And I think if you grew up there, you're a New Yorker. You're.
0: So I've been told.
1: You are a river away from the city. And I'm also just, as a side note, tired of people saying, oh, so you, like, lived in the city? Like, where? And I was like, Brooklyn. And they were like, oh, so not in the city. First of all, it is in the city. I still pay (laughs) New York City tax. I still pay New York City tax. I get on the same subway lines that people in Manhattan do, and I end up in the same neighborhoods. It is the equivalent of, like, (sighs) okay, if you live in LA, like, it's like saying, like, oh, I, like, grew up in the West Hills. West Hills is part of L.A. It's in L.A. Um, Another, like, equivalent, uh, it's it's harder on the East Coast. Cities are so small. But New York City is a big expanse. And uh, let me just say, if you're from Brooklyn and you're from Jersey City, if you're from either side of the river and a subway-style train connects you to Manhattan, you're in New York City. Okay? If, a, if you're not off a subway line, that's a different story. If you have to take a bus to a subway, I don't know. It's a little different. But if you live, like, walking distance from a subway station, you're in New York City. Okay, First of all, I can't think of any person that I know who has taken the subway and not felt terrified for their life, including myself. People who have been on the subway with people who are going crazy, people who are holding the whole car at knife point, people who are threatening things, people who are beating the crap out of somebody. I'm like, like I wasn't sure if I witnessed a murder once. Look- Mm -hmm. The stuff that goes on in Gotham, if you don't live in Gotham, don't judge what goes on in Gotham. It's wild in these streets, or rather in these enclosed spaces. It's terrifying. It's like how in *Inglorious Bastards, Brad Pitt was like, I hate fighting in a basement. There's no exits. It's That's the same thing. You're fighting in a basement. There's no way out. You are trapped there and you are terrified. And honestly, if somebody like accidentally killed somebody who was threatening people on a subway car, if I were a passenger, I'd be like, thank you, sir. Thank you for defending people, innocent people just trying to travel. If someone's going to be absolutely crazy and like, do something that appears to put others in danger and they get killed in the process that's on them. Like you hear people like they're holding people up at gunpoint and then the person with the gun gets shot. Hello, you're holding a gun. You're threatening people. That's what happens when you scare a a group of people. Like this is, if you've never been held at knife point, especially in an enclosed space, I don't want your opinion on this. You have absolutely no idea what it is like to fear for your life every time you need to travel. That's true. And to just the absolute trauma of seeing violence around you all the time and then just having to walk away like, that's not my business.
0: You're not wrong. No, you're not wrong. Yeah. I can't imagine how it's been in the last five years in New York City. But... um, especially since you know post-covid the city is just reckless and um but yeah even like just being in high school and going to high school around that area and just noticing like how unsafe oh it was just and sometimes like there was a little bit of ignorance you know when you're young you're just kind of like sure i'll come home at 2 a.m like i had no business being out there at 2 a.m like i'm lucky to be alive because there are some wild things that be happening in New York City late at night, and um, oh,
1: I had a friend who was waiting for the subway train at um, at Penn Station. She just disappeared and was found like three weeks later in a dumpster. See, look, no thanks. This this is New York. That's that's the people that are out here. So if that's someone's threatening somebody, down with them
0: need to eliminate the threat I'm sorry like not when the the words are coming out of his mouth that I'm going to hurt somebody until I get some food and you know it's just people just what I will say is that I'm just grateful that there was someone there who was willing to protect the majority of the people and so I'm grateful it's very unfortunate that this man lost his life Um, I do feel like the solution is not in a protest and um, it's never in a protest. I mean, we talked about protesting before, and I think financially protesting things is usually the way to go. But what I mean, like, is marching the streets, playing your music, waving their BLM flags, and doing that. We saw three years ago how that wasn't helping anything, and you didn't make a change. Actually, you brought more damage. But what the media is going to do is they want, they want to spew a different narrative as, as if this poor, unfortunate soul who, you know, so innocently lost his life because he was just looking for a meal. No, he was threatening the lives of these people, demanding help. And so, um, and someone took action. And it's just scary nowadays, just how much the media is willing to curve a narrative. What's important for the media to do is to divide and conquer. And so if they can give you something that's very divisive, then um, if they can paint a narrative that's, that's devices, then they feel like they're winning this silent war, which is to divide and conquer. And so if they can get you upset that a black man had died and tell you that he innocently had lost his life, then they can get people of color um, to be upset at people who are who are what they call, um, the politically correct term is non-POC. If they can get us to be mad at the non-POCs, then there's tension. Then there's something. And it's like Matt Walsh. I'll always say it was Matt Walsh, even if it wasn't Matt Walsh. But Matt Walsh was saying that they're just trying to raise up their next George Floyd of uh, somebody who had no like um, no merit. Someone who wasn't. Um, a Well, he just wasn't a nice person for someone that, for, for the public to elevate him to hero because he was drugged out and couldn't stop when the police said stop just be on the lookout you'll feel the tension coming from this episode and where the media tries to weaponize your emotions and try to get you to feel compassionate for this man it's unfortunate again it's unfortunate that he lost his life um just like it would be unfortunate if a criminal who was trying to rob a store at gunpoint lost his life because he didn't know that someone in the store also had a gun It's always unfortunate when someone loses their life if they weren't supposed to. I do have my opinions about people who probably should, but I'll save that for another show. But I'm not going to take this story with uh, with Jordan Neely and be spun some narrative that he just was this innocent man who happened to die by chokehold. Because um, some degenerate decided to take him and put him in a chokehold. Like, that's you're not going to convince me. And I hope that you're not convinced by that. And if you didn't hear the news, now you're hearing the news. And if you did hear the news and that was a narrative you heard, well, here's the correct narrative. This is the full story. And again, we're not here to tell you what to think, but how to think. And so you have to look at the story from both perspectives. That's why we're, we say, like, be careful what media narrative you consume because it's very easy to be ill-informed um because the job of mainstream media it's not to it's not to inform you it's basically to enlist you and can i get you to be on our side or can i get you to be on their side like which which side can i get you on and here comes the social justice warriors. Here come the riot from those who no one called them out. No one called for them, but they put on their cape. They put on their belt and they go and they they take on the city and they leave a mark. They leave damage. They leave people hurt. They leave people killed. Not to mention New York City cops already have plenty to do. Plenty. What they're allowed to do, that is. Huh. My boss
1: went to the city recently and saw a man shooting heroin in the street and there was a cop right nearby and he was like, hey, like, do you guys do anything about that? He's like, I'm not allowed to. Yikes. So I don't know what they're actually allowed to enforce anymore, but I feel really bad for anybody who's a cop in the city.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. It's thinking terrible. And so we I just wanted to talk about the jordan neely thing because it's again it's, you, you we just have to let's feed you truth and um then you can decide what you want to do with that but anytime this story comes out i mean there's going to be wars rumors of wars all these things coming out and you need to be able to discern truth of course through um the leading of the holy spirit but also maybe we can walk you through a flow chart of what it looks like to digest truth from media because I'm telling you it's it's crazy and I've been working media like I've I've loved media like pretty much all my life but I've been working media since like I was since I was a young warthog um just for a while I don't I don't think I think it was back in college I was studying radio and television broadcasting and so media has like always been my thing and always understanding the outlets the mediums the the perspectives it's always important to know. And so be careful what you consume when it comes to media and information and where you get your information from. You'll probably hear us say this like every every week, every episode, just as you have to be careful what you consume, whether it comes to TikTok, whether it comes to news, whether it comes to television, especially cable. And then n- there's news all over YouTube. Also just be careful what you consume and do the litmus test on, is this a verifiable source? Are these people verified? How do they have a track record of giving us um, valid, truthful, accurate news? This is all important. And so I think too, I, if there's a bias,
1: if they're honest about it, like yes. it's, it's one thing to be like, Oh, we're an unbiased news source. I've, subscribe to like the skim and they were like we're an unbiased news source and i was like you're clearly left-leaning everybody has a bias frankly if the news source is saying they're unbiased they're already a liar so be aware to look for news sources that do have a bias
0: yeah that's really true
1: and know the bias while you're reading you could read both sides but just if if they know their bias and they're honest about it it's probably a safer place than someone who's claiming to not have a bias. Just bringing you information. I've never seen a news source that actually does that.
0: Yeah. It's because you have to, yeah, you have to feed into one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you're selling into something. Mm-hmm. I mean, not many, there, there's no neutral There's no neutrality, even like, even for us Christians is either kingdom or not kingdom. There's no like, oh, I don't want to get involved. Oh, politics. I don't want to talk politics. I can't. I can never really, because God allows us to govern and Mm -hmm. he allows us to have dominion. And he's put you in that area, in that region, in that state, in that city, in that neighborhood in order for you to govern Mm -hmm. in that school. So don't tell me you're not into politics. or Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. We've actually have a God-given right. Careful what you consume, what the truth is, what truth you're going to listen to, what truth you're going to believe. And so, and of course, we're talking about little T, little T truth, little T truth, not capital T. Capital T is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. But speaking of truth, Let's go to Word of the Day. Oh word of the Day is a segment. I would, I want to say one of my favorite segments, but then again, all of these segments are my favorite. But it's a segment where uh, Jamie, who is a wordologist is a architect a scientist of the word um a junkie if you may and um she is just brilliant and um is able to just consume and inhale these these words these translations these iterations all of it um about the bible and <laughs> I'm just buying you some time. And so it's a segment, <laughs> word of the day, <laughs> led by Jamie, where she teaches us a new word, she breaks down a word, she teaches how to break down a word, however, she wants to do it. I'm not at liberty to dictate because this is Jamie's segment. And so word of the day with Jamie. What's our word? Girl, we're gonna get into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold the word
1: in my heart for a second because I need to lead with this scripture in multiple translations. This is maybe a scripture that really gets me heated. And Mm. I think it's important since we're on episode four and we're getting to know each other, it's important for (laughs) people who are watching to get to know me. And this is something that I will bring up and I will get emotional about. I need to feel understood here. So I'm going to start um, with reading the generally accepted um, translations of the church. If you um, talk to someone who is a pastor or someone who went to seminary um, or if they're just an arrogant prick, um, they will tell you that the most accurate Bible translations are the ESV or the NASB. And um, there's actually, there's a few out there who will say the Amplified, and I'll give it to you. The Amplified is nice. So um, you're not all terrible. But I'm going to read this first in the ESV because everybody in the South just thinks that this is the bee's knees. And then I'm going to read it in the NASB as well. And then we're going to kind of dive into this specifically. So we're in Matthew 11:12, And in the ESV... From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Leaves a certain kind of impression about what's happening here. Here we are in the NASB. I also want to remind everybody that if you do have a red letter Bible, these words are in red. This is something Jesus said. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. A little bit um, in the second half of the scripture a bit more accurate in my opinion. I'm gonna read this in the NLT. And from the time of and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it see a little bit of uh, difference in the way that the first part of that verse differentiates in the NLT versus in the ESV from the kingdom of heaven, suffering violence to forcefully advancing. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. We need to talk about this. Um, we do. First of all, let's take this into context. Jesus is speaking to crowds. He is speaking to crowds who are believing he's a great teacher. Maybe some people believe he's the Messiah. These people do not know or believe he is the Son of God. And in this time, uh, John the Baptist was in prison. So what did John the Baptist say when he was in his ministry like his main thing what was his shtick his shtick was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand where was the kingdom of heaven before mm. nowhere it, it was nowhere john was speaking about how the kingdom of heaven was about to be here so if we look at the ESV or the NASB, I'm going to go back to the ESV for the beginning of this verse. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of, he- kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. How could the kingdom of heaven be suffering violence if it was not in existence or available to people before John the Baptist announced it was about to pop off?
0: Yeah, that's a good question.
1: Jesus is referring to the time when John the Baptist started referring to the kingdom of heaven, which is when the kingdom of heaven was starting to be available, but had not yet erupted onto the scene until now the time of Jesus' ministry before the cross. So from that timeline, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence doesn't make much sense. And I'm going to read this in the Jubilee because this is my favorite translation of this verse. Now, before I get into the Jubilee, one thing that I have to tell you about this and why this is in the word of the day category is because the Jubilee uses the same word for every time a word is used. Now, for example, we're in we're in Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Um, And we're going to look at the word suffers violence, which is biazo in the Greek. This is G971. So whatever word, and I'm going to be a little bit of a surprise, whatever word uh, was chosen to be used for this word will be the same word whenever G971 comes up. So, G971 also appears in Luke 16.16. And the same word that was used there will be used in Matthew 11.12. In addition, this Bible also will use the same word for the equivalent in the Septuagint. So, if there is a Hebrew word that correlates to a Greek word, and it's in the New Testament, this version is going to use the same word, which means there's a lot less confusion as to what word is this? And um, we will we'll look into a scripture in a concordance and you'll be like, wow, this verse uses a different word than this other verse, but it's the same word in the Greek or it's the same word in the Hebrew or it's the equivalent in the Hebrew or the Greek. So this version takes the confusion out. It uses the same word. And I love that about the Jubilee. It is why I worked so hard to procure it. So let's listen to this, reminding ourselves that when we go into this, the kingdom of heaven has just been announced by John the Baptist, and the kingdom of heaven is just starting to be revealed by Jesus. Um, For example, while when Jesus says earlier within Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like... So we're just starting to learn about the kingdom of heaven if you're following Jesus, if you're living on the earth at this time. Matthew 11, 12 in the, ju- in the Jubilee. From the days of John the Baptist until now, life is given unto the kingdom of the heavens and the valiant take hold of it. Oof. Life is given unto the kingdom of the heavens and the valiant take hold of it.
0: Ooh, I really like that
1: one. Oh, the, the, this verse is why I bought this the scripture.
0: I also don't mind this
1: in the MEV. This is a modern English version. Uh, for those who don't know, this is the base text of the King James and the New King James. Those older Bibles this is the same base text, but it's a modern translation of that base text. Whereas the NASB and the ESV, all the modern translations that people tend to use now are based on different manuscripts that have been discovered later, but are apparently older than the ones that the King James are, is based on. We should honestly do a whole episode on that, but that requires research, and I don't know if I if I want to put in the work right now. <laughs> I have a job. Okay, Matthew eleven twelve in the modern English version. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has forcefully advanced, and the strong take it by force. So, what's happening around this time is the kingdom of heaven has been announced. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's uh, God. Taking back creation. So, what that looks like? People being healed. Yes. People being delivered. Right. Uh, people being set, set free. free. Yeah. So, if you look at this verse and, re- and remember what is the kingdom of heaven doing? It is setting the captives free. Love it. Whether it be from physical illness or from um, from any kind of spiritual oppression. So. I want to go back to just read this again because it's just so beautiful (laughs) in the Jubilee from the days of John the Baptist until now, life is given unto the kingdom of the heavens and the valiant take hold of it. So some of these translations that use um, suffer, suffer violence does not seem quite accurate. No. Um, Biazzo means to use force, to apply force. If you're looking at this in the context of what is happening at the time, it doesn't make sense for the kingdom of heaven to be being attacked. It's actually the kingdom of heaven attacking the kingdoms of this world, which was at the time under the control of Satan, which is why Satan was like, hey, Jesus, while he was fasting in the wilderness, taking you there to to the 40 days, he was like, hey, you can have all of this if you follow me. Why was he able to offer it? Because he had it. Because it was his at the time. And so the kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing makes a lot more sense given that the whole earth at the time was under the authority of Satan. So if we look at this word, to apply force in this context could only mean the kingdom of heaven applying force to the kingdom of darkness. We can also take a look at another word within this verse, which is very, very similar. So, um, and I think you'll see in the numbers as well, uh, because Biazzo was 971, this is nine se- G973. Um, but it is violent men. And is biastes so you can see that this wow. is a very similar word and i love that in the jubilee the word valiant is used oh yes
0: yeah it's my favorite part
1: so these two words we're we're in a little bit of a cheat it's it's two words of the day but biastes biazzo you're seeing how this it, it could be one word um <laughs> and the root word is of this is biazzo this is strong Forceful, using force. Um, So this is um, a word that is used for those who are attacking. But in the context, as we know, it could only be people who are attacking the kingdom of darkness. Because the kingdom of heaven is advancing in a place where the kingdom of darkness reigned. And it doesn't make sense to say that the kingdom of darkness was was taking it by force or was attacking it. It wasn't. It was losing hard. Mm-hmm. Jesus was popping off in his ministry. People were following him. He was expanding his influence all over Jerusalem, all over Israel, and yeah. people were getting set free. So were was the enemy attacking Jesus and winning? No, no, he was not. The enemy was being attacked. And we need to talk about how, at some point, the enemy is the real victim. Yes. Christians are not victims. The enemy is the victim. Correct. The violent take it by force in, uh, I believe, in the MEV. And here, the valiant take hold of it. And I really feel like this, I need to say this because- I I always feel when the spirit is witnessing within me that something is true. I feel the spirit of the Lord on this version more than I feel it on the others. Wow. I think we need to pay attention to that because the spirit, it teaches us all things. Yes. We have Holy spirit and we should use the Holy spirit when we're reading scripture. There's no one version I've seen get every single scripture, right? I certainly don't use the Jubilee all the time it's not my main but i will say the way this verse is translated is better than any version i've ever seen mm. so uh i do think that i just i needed to address that, that. yeah
0: mm-hmm. no it's important i just so
1: yeah uh, i i think we've we've covered this well biazzo and bias bias is applying yeah. force Come on. Forcefully advancing um, it it being given life and then the valiant take hold of it. Not Mm -hmm. just people who are, you know, being forceful, but those who are um, empowered to grasp what is rightfully theirs. Because the kingdom of heaven came in at a time when it was time for the kingdom of heaven to take over. Yes. Yeah. It came in when people who were, under Jesus's authority. And of course, Jesus himself having that authority to go in to this place where the darkness was reigning, and bring things into the kingdom yeah. of life and of light.
0: So. Yeah. Biasos and Biasis. Mm-hmm. 971, nine, Man. Oh, that was a good session. That was a good, 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 good word of the day. I'm I'm not going to forget this Valiant because I'm, I, it, it's also a beautiful illustration of, of the verse, which is why we embrace and love translations for the language that they are. I mean, saying that there's one, there's one translation that's, better you know only one translation can rule them all like to say that is it's like saying there's only one language that's more beautiful than all languages it's like someone saying like well latin is the ultimate language well english is the language of the world well french is the language of lovers like there's not just one language that rules them all and same thing for translations and i would have slept on the jubilee bible if you didn't read that verse in, in in that translation i mean even out of even out of all the translations that this that this bible has i don't think jubilee is one of them i think i would have known yeah i i think
1: it's not very well known and for those who don't know much about the history of the jubilee it is an english translation of the spanish bible the reign of Valera, which is basically considered the king james of spain um mm. the man who translated it he his work has been compared to William Tyndale's. So very, very respected man. And um, I wonder how modern day pastors would feel knowing that these Bibles that have been around for so long and are so respected were translated by one person.
0: Oh, not one. Bill, son. Oh, one
1: person? Not Come only on. one
0: person. Surely one person cannot have the responsibility of translating the entire Bible.
1: I just, how could one person know a language and then translate that language into another language that they knew?
0: I, I don't just, know how one person
1: could do that.
0: How do you? It's almost like they've been led or empowered by the Holy Spirit, Spirit of the how,
1: on that note, how could any one person write a book of the Bible? How could,
0: even if it was inspired by the Holy Spirit? How I do. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention was this. Uh, we talked about this, this devil, this unemployed punk who <laughs> used to have the responsibility of. Um, You know, like the keys were kind of handed over to him. He kind of scammed them out of Adam and Eve. But then once he lost the keys, he no longer had dominion, which means he has nothing to do, which is why he antagonizes people because he has nothing to do. It's like everybody in 2020 when they were just collecting checks, they have nothing to do. So they just like were picking fights on the Internet. So that's what the devil does. He just picks fights. People are like, well, he's the ruler of the air. No, no, no. No, no we have to think post cross and so um, he's and that's why all he does is plague people the children of God because um, he has nothing to do so just remember that he's unemployed and he has nothing to do and therefore if he has if he's unemployed with nothing to do therefore so are his followers in light of that I'm mentioning the Satan con (laughs) the Satan con which I was like imagine Having a whole convention for a bum. Could you Could you imagine? Oh, my
1: that's God. That's so embarrassing.
0: For an entire, for a whole bum. And um, I don't even, how do you dress up for that? How do you, what do you wear? What do you bring? So weird. Like, who woke up one day and was like, you know, I want to go to Satan Con. I'd be and, so embarrassed
1: um, if I were Satan and I went to the, the con and I saw what people were wearing and doing.
0: Like, Literally. what about just sad flops? Huge flops. It's wild to me because this is a concept to me that I'm just not understanding. In order for you to believe that Satan exists, means you would have to believe that God exists. So therefore, <laughs> a Satanist is not an atheist because in order for there to be Satan, there needs to be God. So a Satanist has more faith than an atheist right so if you believe that there is a god because there is satan you you have to know how the story ends and therefore you're on the losing side every time why why would you who does that and so um it's like rooting for the yankees every year Every year, you know how it's going to end. They do not make it to the World Series. They will not make it to the World Series. And most importantly, they will not win the World Series. If this is the year they win the World Series, I swear. I swear. But in in light of the Satan Con, it has made, I was like, what? Who does that? It, like, you you just root for the losing side every time. It's like the Civil War the north and the south and it's like this year i know the south is gonna win this is our year and you it's like going back in time and fighting the civil war every time expecting the south to win and so like what doesn't make sense to me is the idea of um you we were talking about like you had just mentioned like who who does that like who just kind of wakes up and decides that they're going to do it but not only that but who wakes up, plans SatanCon, and goes, you know what we should bring to SatanCon? A Bible. <laughs> there has to be some type of wires in your head that are not connected to the right circuits for you to believe that you were going to... Offend some type of Or dethrone or depower some type of People group They're like obsessed with us They're so obsessed with us They're obsessed It's It's kind of embarrassing
1: It's actually very
0: embarrassing I mean one of us should like Just take him out to coffee or something Cause if you're just gonna like stalk us and Where did you go to buy a bible <laughs>
1: Like, where did you, like, you just had that? No, you didn't have that. Did you
0: have to order that off of Amazon? Oh, my God. I hope they ordered it off of Amazon. Did a Satanist go to the Christian section of Barnes & Noble and just, like, in their full garb, in their robe, have to, like, slap the counter with the Bible and be like, hey, I have to buy this? You don't want to be seen buying the Bible? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm paying cash. I'm paying cash you're just like looking around so that your little satanist friends don't see you and you take it and you walk in your little satan con and you rip the bible as if we were all supposed to feel it in unison in that one moment ah! <laughs> someone just rip a bible like i i never understood i never understood the thought process like you're not disrespecting anybody if anything you're wasting your own money and, and then that bible could not have been fully like I don't even know if that was truly a Bible because if you saw how how small that girl was and she just like ripped it, I was like, you're not that strong. You are not that strong. That was not a, that was probably a Dr. Seuss book or something. It was not a Bible. I'm not sure what she ripped up. But anyway, the idea of, that was so comedic. And I think that they were trying to do something that was like, ha ha. But it was just so, comedic like i was like have we ever stopped to think about the thought process that it took for one to plan a satan con well what's it going to be about satan What are we going to do satanist things (laughs) what do you have to talk about and again for you to believe that satan is a thing which would mean that you would have to believe that god is a thing and if you believe that god is a thing then you know the destiny of satan Yet, you choose to celebrate an unemployed loser. (laughs) And also, just
1: to remind everyone, like, Satan was created by God. And God was not created by anyone. and He's worshipped by the angels in heaven for being the uncreated one. (laughs) The one, the only one that has always existed was not created and he is the only one who can create so when you're like worshiping Satan you're worshiping something that was created by God and also something that he himself cannot create yes like the like the more you look at it the harder he flops.
0: If you really think about it hard enough, which I'm trying not to, but the more I think about it, the more comedic it is to me. I'm like a singing con. What are you what are you gonna talk about? Like what does one wear?
1: I just feel like the only thing I just absolutely know about this place is that it smells so bad. Oh yeah. I tell you right, right. now, that place smells like dookie. I don't know what people are wearing. I don't know how crappy they did their makeup. I don't know what they talk about or what each booth is selling, but I can tell you this, this
0: place smells like crap. It smells like absolute basura. And um, the last point with the Satan Con, that's absolutely hilarious to me, Um, ripping up Bibles. Well, two points. Um, Really funny. I don't follow like Andrew Tate things anymore because he's gotten a little loopy ever since he got out of jail. And I questioned if that was Andrew Tate that even got out of jail, uh, but he yeah. did question. He did tweet at the Satan con about like them reading the, them, them ripping the Bible. He goes, ha 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 try the Quran. Like, and it was so funny that he brought up that point. Cause he's like, yeah, try, try to do that to a Muslim community. Oh wait, you wouldn't be able to, because like they don't play that. And so, in this instance i would say you know the passive-aggressiveness of a christian probably um is probably uh like being passive-aggressive as a christian in this instance is not hurting anyone because them ripping the bible up is not hurting anybody but andrew tate brought up a great point of just like you would never try to do that to the quran um because you would the, i mean we already have so many troubles we already are in enough trouble with middle eastern uh countries and our currency so it's kind of like please don't do it don't do that <laughs> like don't don't do that don't don't try it again the last point the first thing that came to mind when i saw the person ripping up the bible is like what how effective is that when when there are spirit-filled believers who store the word in their heart like Mm -hmm. how effective is it that you rip up a bible psalm 119 david's like i treasure word and i store it in my heart and deuteronomy when god was telling moses like rehearse the word in their ears of your children so that they may store the word in their heart and so rip up a bible what do you who cares like give me a break
1: it is, like, real sad flop embarrassing. That being said, if somebody came to my house and ripped up one of my Bibles, I would murder them and their yeah. family.
0: It probably would be a chokehold all over again. I'm, I'm not playing.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, like, on one hand, I'm like, ha, 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 sad flop. But if you did that to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you like, it's cute. But if you ever.
1: <laughs> there are people in my life I would choose my Bibles over any day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason they're on a shelf. Mm-hmm. They are trophies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's it for today's episode of Happy and Holy. As always, thanks for hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, all places that podcasts are listed. As always, uh, we thank you. We love you. Don't forget to check out our website, happyandholyco.com. Yes, happyandholyco.com. Email us at happyandholyco at gmail.com. We're reachable. We're attainable. Hit us up. We're on Facebook now. You guys just go and find us. We love it. Maybe we'll shout you out next time. But go and find us on all social media platforms. Share this with your friends. Comment and let us know how you like the episode, what you would love to hear, what you don't care for, what you do care for. Most importantly, just know that we appreciate you guys. Check us out. Until next time, stay happy. Be holy. <laughs> Bye.